Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Coming across this story, and it is a a very lengthy story. I thought it was a really good story, though, and I thought, well, I'd sure like to read it to the church in my message today. But it's so lengthy, I thought it might take up too much time. But as I continued this week, are you listening? As I continued this week to prepare my sermon, I got up to last night this morning, really felt the Lord really wanted me to share with you this lengthy story. So I think in obedience to the Lord, I'll read it to you. It's the story of this boy who stood with his head cocked back and hands clenched defiantly. Go ahead, give it to me. The principal looked down at the boy. How many times have you been here? Apparently not enough, the boy said. Well, the principal gave the boy a strange look and said, and you've been punished each time, have you not? Yeah, I've been punished, but if that's what you want to call it. So go ahead, I can take whatever you dish out. And no thought of your punishment enters your head the next time you decide to break the rules, does it? Nope. I do whatever I want to do. Ain't nothing you people going to do to stop me either. Well, the principal looked over at the teacher who stood nearby. What did he do this time? Fighting. He punched Tommy in the face. The principal looked at the boy and said, why? I didn't like the way he looked at me, just like I don't like the way you're looking at me now. Well, the principal looked at the boy and said, today you are going to learn about grace. The boy said, I don't don't need your stinking grace. But, oh, you do, said the principal. And then he continued to explain, grace is something that you don't deserve. You can't earn it. It's a gift and it's free. Let the church say amen. amen. Today, he said, you will not be getting what you deserve the principal said. Well, the boy looked puzzled. You're not going to whoop me? You're just going to let me walk? Well, the principal looked at the boy and said, yes, I'm going to let you walk. The boy said, no punishment at all, even though I punched Tommy? Oh, there, there, there has to be punishment. But what did you, what you did was wrong, and there are always consequences to our actions. There will be punishment. Grace is not an excuse for you, for you doing wrong. I knew it as the boy said, the boy said as he held out his hands, let's get on with it. Well, the principal nodded toward the teacher, bring me the belt. Well, the teacher presented the belt to the principal. He carefully folded it in two and then handed it back to the teacher. He looked at the boy and said, I want you to count the blows. 
He came from behind the desk, the principal, and stood in front of the boy. He reached out and he folded the boy's outstretched hands. And then he turned to face the teacher with his own, the principal's own hands outstretched. One quiet word came from the principal's mouth. Begin. The belt whipped down on the principal's hand. Crack! The boy jumped 10 feet in the air. Shock registered across his face. One, he whispered, crack, two, his voice raised an octave, crack, three, he couldn't believe this, crack, four, but tears welled up in the eyes of the boy. Okay, stop, that's enough, that's enough, stop, crack, came the belt down on the calloused hands of the principal, crack, the boy flinched with each blow, tears beginning to stream down his face, crack, crack, no, please, the boy begged, stop. I did it. I'm the one who deserves it. Stop, please stop. Still the blows came, crack, crack. And one after another, finally it was over. And the principal stood with sweat on his forehead and running down his face. And slowly he knelt down and he looked at the boy for a few seconds. And then with his swollen, bleeding hands, he reached out and he grabbed the boy's face as the principal was weeping. And he said, that's grace. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that a great story? That's grace. I wanted to read you that story because, listen, we've been talking about grace. I don't know about you, but I love grace. If you love grace, clap your hands, would you? You love grace? I love grace. And I love to talk about grace. I think grace is like the missing element the missing link in the Christian life. Paul loved to talk about grace. 120 times in his epistles, he refers to grace. 120 times he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and Paul talks about grace. If you've been with us, not last week, the week prior when we were together, you know Paul has been defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has been defending the gospel of grace. Paul has been defending, are you listening, his apostleship. Why? Because there were these men known as the Judaizers who were seeking to lead the people back under the law. So Paul would go into a city and establish a church and these Judaizers would wait until Paul leaves and then they would come behind him and begin to cause the people to question the ministry. I find it interesting, don't you, that these Judaizers would come behind Paul and cause the people to question. The Judaizers weren't planting churches. The Judaizers weren't doing the ministry. They weren't going in there doing the hard work of the ministry. They would wait until Paul went and did the hard work of the ministry. Then the religion folks would go behind Paul and say to the people, because that's how religious folk are. They ain't going to do no work. They're just going to talk about it. Don't say amen. I'm not talking to anybody in this room. I'm just making a statement. That's all. So they would go behind Paul and they would say, now, who is this Paul guy? I mean, really, he comes in here talking about grace. He comes in here talking about liberty. He comes in here talking about you don't have to be circumcised and all of these things. I mean, who is this Paul guy and where are his credentials? And you don't have to listen to him. And he wasn't a real apostle anyway, these Judaizers would say. 
basically these Judaizers were teaching that salvation involves more than grace. And they had to follow, the, the, that the church people had to follow religious rituals and rules to be accepted by God. Well, were you with us the last time? Were you here the last time, I, last week? Not last week, week prior. Were you with me? Were you with me? That, that's, that's a good number. You're okay. Then you know if you were with me, if you weren't, Paul said that if anyone comes preaching to you any other gospel than that which you have already heard, let them be, what, saints, accursed. Or the Greek word is anathema. That's the strongest word, listen, in the Bible. This word anathema means to be damned to hell. It actually means to be damned to the lowest, darkest, hottest part of hell. It's the strongest word in the New Testament. Paul says, if anybody comes behind you, behind me, preaching any other gospel, Paul says, if we, he even included himself. Paul says, if I come later and tell you something other than this gospel of grace, then Paul said, for himself to be damned to go to hell. I'm not trying to cuss. Pastor ain't cussing. Say amen. Pastor ain't cussing. I don't drink either. I ain't no sipping saints. Amen. Oh, y'all got quiet. Oh, y'all drinking? Y'all got quiet on me, didn't they, Nick? They got quiet. Okay. We're going to leave that alone. I pray for you. Paul said... If anybody comes preaching any other thing, including me, let them be a curse. Now here, let me just give you this outline because I promised you I would. Got your pen? Got your pad? Got your pen? Got your pad? Say amen. Got your pen? Got your pad? Say amen. Let me give you this outline. I told you I'm going to give it to you every single time we teach in this book of Galatians because I want you to understand the book outlines very easily. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul describes his experience in regards to the grace of God. In chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God to our lives. Chapters 1 and 2, Paul describes what saints? His experience. What saints? His experience. Some of y'all ain't saying, what saints? His experience in regards to the grace of God. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his what? His doctrine. In chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes how the application, how it works in our everyday lives. I told you I'm going to title each and every one of these sermons, Grace-Filled Freedom. We pick up our study. Actually, we're going to pick up our study exactly where we left off. I usually kind of go to the next verse, but we're going to pick up exactly where we left off the last time in verse 10 of Galatians. Paul says, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, and sisterin, want to keep the ladies in there, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to who, saints? 
man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through what saints? The revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his what? Grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into the desert of Arabia and returned again later to Damascus. How much later? Then after how many years, saints? Three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Pete. And I remained with Pete for Two weeks-ish, 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except, except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I'm not lying. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. See, those churches had never seen Paul. They only heard about Paul. And now they're hearing, he who persecuted us now preaches faith, which he once tried to destroy. They were perplexed. Man, this guy was destroying the church and killing Christians, and now he's a believer? I mean, think about this. Can you imagine Paul going going to one of these churches? All they ever heard about was this guy who was destroying the church killing men, women, and children, all in the name of the God of Judaism. And now all of a sudden he comes to one, can you imagine all of a sudden he comes to one of these churches? He shows up, he says, hey guys, I'm Paul the Apostle. And they're probably like, run! He's going to kill us, run! That's the running motion, run! Run! Paul said, no, 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 no need to run. I'm a believer now. He probably like, what are you talking about, Willis? That, that would be hard to believe. I mean, really hard to believe. They had never seen him. And they heard about him. And now they're hearing he's preaching faith. Well, they got excited for him. And what did they do in verse 4? Will y'all please read it together? Verse, four, verse 24, what did they do? They glorify God in me. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Paul said, if someone, anyone, we talked about it, comes preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. Now listen, perhaps you may have asked the question. Someone may ask the question, what gives Paul the right to speak with such authority? What gives Paul the right to say that his message, listen, that his message is right and every other message is wrong. Do you understand? This is what we Christians do. 
at least we Christians who believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility of the word of God. That means God's word is right and everybody else is wrong. That was a big theological way to say that. God's word is right and everybody else is wrong. Somebody please give me a hearty amen. Amen. What gives the Christian, here's my point. What gives the Christian the right to say, we are right and everyone else is wrong? What gives Paul the right to say that he is right and everyone else is wrong? Well, in these verses that we just read, listen, Paul answers that question. If you're taking notes, you write this down. He tells us, first of all, of his motive. His motive. You're taking notes? He tells us of his motive. Secondly, he tells us of the origin of his message. And then thirdly, he gives us some background about his training and conversion. He tells us of his motive. Then he tells us of the origin or where did it come from of his message. And then he gives us some background about his training and about his conversion. Now, listen, before we dive back into this, saints, look at me. Give me your attention. One of the things that I think we fail to realize in the church in the U.S., let me say that, that we fail to realize is that when we are reading the New Testament, the message that Paul the Apostle and, and, and the apostles were preaching was a dangerous message. We fail to realize that. It was a dangerous message. When they preached the gospel, they were putting their lives at stake. And the reason they were putting their lives at stake is because the message of the gospel, the gospel that they preached was two things. Number one, it was an insult to the Jews. And secondly, it was a threat to Rome. Write that down. It was an insult to the Jews and it was a threat to Rome. You see, it was an insult to the Jews. How? how? Because, listen, their scriptures said, the Jewish scriptures said that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And so the Jew would argue, how can Jesus be the Messiah when, according to the Old Testament, he has been cursed by God because he hung on a tree? Because they failed to understand because they failed to realize, because they failed to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Jew didn't read that. And they didn't understand. You know, somebody once said it like this. A sinless Jesus became sin-filled so that sin-filled people can be sin-free. I like that so much. I'm going to read that again for myself. They said a sinless Jesus became sin-filled so that sin-filled people can be sin-free. So the message of Jesus as the Messiah was an insult and confusing to the Jew. Not only was it an insult, are you listening? To the Jew, but it was also a threat to the Romans. Because during the, this time, the Romans controlled the region. And Rome didn't like the fact that Christians were declaring Jesus as king. 
And that's why Paul and the apostles and thousands of other Christians suffered beatings and tortures and lost their lives. You see, in the U.S., listen, we don't know anything about that. We forget that we live in a Christian-friendly culture. Note, I said it's a Christian-friendly culture. I didn't say it was a Christian culture. Because contrary to popular belief, this is not a Christian culture. Can more than one person say amen? Thank you, David. Stay with me. This is not a Christian culture. We haven't, we all, we got God we trust on our money. We think we're Christians because we go to church on Sunday morning. Might even throw a Wednesday night in there every now and then. Maybe, hey, I'm a two-timer. I come Christmas and Easter. And we're Christian. We are a Christian-friendly culture. And it is safe to preach the gospel in this country. But do you understand? Are you listening? Do you understand that there are many, many peoples on the planet today? What's today's date? The, the 16th? 17th. The 17th of August, 2008, There are people today who live in other parts of the world who are not free to read a Bible, who are not free to carry a Bible, who are not free to even go to church. They are not free to practice the faith that they choose to practice. I told you, in Rajasthan, there are believers there who will be killed if they openly practice their faith. In Rajasthan, the government will pay you $200, $200 to kill a pastor. The money comes from the government. They will pay you $150 if you kill a Christian. Don't y'all understand how blessed you are? We live in a country where we are free. Say a better amen than that. We live in a country where we are free to read our Bibles. We're free to carry our Bibles. I was in a meeting where a brother carried. I told you, I'll tell you again. I saw a pastor walk in carrying a bag of rice. Rajasthan, India, North India, the persecuted church, the underground church. And he walked in carrying a bag of rice. He sat down. He reached into that rice bag and pulled out his Bible. That blew my mind. He, can, he had to carry his Bible on the bag of rice. He couldn't carry it on the street like this. Stop on the corner, wait for the bus to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the words are lighting to my feet, lamp to my path. Can't do that in Rajasthan. Do that in Rajasthan, you'll be dead. You see, we live in a Christian-friendly culture where it was safe to preach the God. When Paul was preaching the gospel, or when the apostles were preaching the gospel, their lives were at stake. It wasn't a Christian-friendly culture at that time. Paul tells us, point number one, his motive. In verse 10, saints, please peek at it in your Bibles again. In verse 10, as Paul says, he says he wants them to understand his motive for preaching the message. And he says, I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Paul says, my motive in preaching isn't to please men, but it's to please God. You see, if you're ever in ministry to please men, that's a recipe for disaster. Do you understand? Say amen. You can't be in ministry. You'll never make it. 
You'll never make it. Some people want to get in ministry for all the wrong reasons. I don't care if you're cleaning the toilets in the church. If you're cleaning the toilets in the church so that the pastor can see that you are humble. Yeah, I didn't say humble. I said humble. Y'all know. Some of y'all know. You clean in the church so the pastor can see that you are humble enough to lower yourself to clean. Listen, that's a recipe for disaster. You're not to do ministry to please men. Paul says, I wasn't interested and I'm not interested in how I'm seen of men. He was only interested in how he was seen of God. His motive in ministry was to please men. Also, Paul talks about the origin of his ministry in verse 11 and 12. Go ahead and peek at it. As Paul tells us, the origin of his message, the message that he received was not human in origin or in authority. In other words, Paul says, I did not invent this stuff. No man invented this stuff. It came directly from Jesus. Saints, can I share something with you? If the gospel had human origin, it would have been permeated, listen, with works. Isn't that true? If the gospel had been of, of man, of human origin, it would have been permeated with works. That's exactly what happened when the Jews, what, the, what they did with the law of God. God gave them the Ten Commandments and they dissected them. And then God gave them the Torah, the first five books of Moses. And from the Torah, they created the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, they had 4,000 oral traditions underscore of men. Oral traditions of men. The Mishnah had rules and regulations written by man, not by God, that no one could live by. Really, for example, you couldn't look in, the, the Mishnah said, you couldn't look in a mirror on the Sabbath because you might see a gray hair and pull it, and that would be considered works. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.